God's word today and I'll be leading the service for you this morning. So uh, let's just uh, pray as we start. Father God, I thank you for today. Father, it doesn't matter whether we got a little wet, not wet or mega wet coming to church this morning, but I just thank you that we are all here in your presence. And Father, as uh, we talked earlier, it was just so good to hear lots and lots of voices um, as you chatted and you welcomed each other. And Father, in the same way, we welcome you here in this building for our time together this morning. Amen. So I want to continue to hear that chatter because it's really, really good just to see all you guys here. So as we take up our morning offering, um, just turn around, say hello. You may not have seen the person behind or to your side uh, since last week, but um, yeah, just have a little chat. Uh, Make a date with them. Say, hey, do you want to go for a coffee? Or walk down the beach in the sun? (laughs) And uh, yeah, just have a chat.
That's great. Thank you, Fox and your team, for uh, taking up the morning offering this morning. That, that's really good. So I just want to hear about your conversations this morning. Who talked about the weather? Put your hand up. In just those few minutes, who talked about the weather to somebody else? I'll just hear. Who talked about their week? Who asked how somebody else was? Oh, yeah. Who made a date for a coffee? No one. What did you guys talk about? Christmas present. Oh, are we allowed to say that word already? Just into November. Goodness me. Well, anyway, let's pray and just give thanks for our money that we received today. Father, I thank you again for Fox and his team of stewards that um, collect and take our offering um, each week. We thank you for the money that's in those bags, but we also thank you for the money that's already given um, through other various means. And Father, we just pray that this money will be used um, in your name um, with all that we do and with faith and with trust. Amen. I'm going to read a bit from Ephesians 3. When I actually did this yesterday, I actually didn't put the book. I just put what verse it started in. I was like, oh, no, now I need to like, find what book it was. That took a while, but it was all right. I had so many tabs open. Who's, this is, I read this somewhere. I had lots of tabs open on my laptop yesterday, but it actually reminded me that I have lots of tabs on in my head. I was talking to somebody this morning, said, oh, no, what do I have to remember? I have to remember this, 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 and this. And it's like, we've got all these tabs open in our head, haven't we? Um, but let's just clear those tabs and just focus on God today. So in Ephesians 3, it talks about the love of Christ. So I bow in prayer before the Father. Every family in heaven and on earth gets its true name from him. I ask the Father with his great glory to give you the power to be strong in your spirits. And he will give you that strength through his spirit. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love, of how wide and how long, how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. But I pray that you will be able to know that love, then you can be filled with everything God has for you. And as we enter our time of worship, we want you guys to feel comfortable here. And if that means singing and worshipping, standing great, that's fantastic. But if you don't want to sing and you just want to let the words wash over you, that's equally fantastic. You may not know the song, but it's just sometimes nice to rest in his presence. If you don't, yeah, you can just take that time and just be with God today. You can close your eyes or lift your hands or just move to the music. We want you to just feel comfortable as we worship this morning. But we want you also to use this time to get lost in worship to God. We're going to sing a couple of songs to start and... Uh, the second song, I really want you to think about the words, I worship you, as we sing that. And we know that God is here, and we know that he is moving in us, and we know that he is working in this place and in us. And if we believe it, let's sing that with a passion this morning, because we know that we can be ready to praise God and receive God with open arms this morning here, if we want to. So let's stand and let's sing.
never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. next song we are going to sing I might have said before at certain times that I like to find out from the author of that song why they wrote it and the reasons behind it and um, the biblical scripture for that song so the song uh, hymn of heaven is written by Phil Wickham and he says this song is all about bringing heaven to this moment with the way we act and the way we speak and the way we live it's letting Jesus be the king in his rule and his way taking over. And sometimes we do pray out of desperation and sometimes we pray because we're thankful. Sometimes because we pray we want wisdom and strength to certain situations. But every prayer we pray will be worth it. Because they become our songs of faith. And I'm sure that we've all had these prayers of desperation. And all the songs that we sing through doubt and fear, we've all done it. We've all done it because we are human. But we thank God for hearing our prayers and for the comfort he gives. And the line in the song says, and in the end, we'll see that it will be worth it. Because that's when we will walk with him for all eternity. Let's sing hymn of heaven. Sons of faith, we sang through doubt and 
Father, we love you and we know that we can walk with you through all eternity. Thank you. We raise that mighty roar because you gave us life beyond the grave. Amen. Love, whoever lives and bleeds for me. 
take your seats. We're going to have this morning's reading and that comes from, oh I've got my wrong bit of paper, John, John 6 and we're starting at verse 22. I might read it on here because I can see it a bit clearer, sorry. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Mo Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Amen. I'm just going to pray for Andy as he comes and um, gives us his word. Father God, I thank you for you being with Andy as he has prepared today's talk. I thank you for all of the words and the wisdom that you have given him um, with this passage. Father, I pray that we'll open our hearts and our minds to hear um, Andy's message today so that we can take that home and uh, remember and live by that. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. Liz mentioned about 
just now when she prayed for me about wisdom. And if anybody knows about me, they'll kind of understand that maybe wisdom doesn't come as second nature. But I stand here and I always feel so inadequate. Um, I often get asked to preach and I'll always go, yeah, of course I will, no problem at all. People say they enjoy what I say. But when it comes to that physical moment of standing here, I just feel inadequate. I don't know if that's just me or whether every preacher feels exactly the same. <laughs> Good. But this morning's talk is from John 6, 22 to 59. I did only get Liz to read half of it. Jesus, the bread of life. So this morning, we're going to be looking at this passage entitled, Jesus, the bread of life. It is 37 verses long, so I hope you've brought your packed lunch today. But I've got three headings for you. What we want, what we need, and what do we do? So let's start with what we want. So what is it about food that we love so much? I drove past a restaurant the other day that said, all day breakfast, and I thought, I haven't got time for that. <laughs> I have to be honest, I don't get it. I'm not much of a foodie at all. For instance, for the last 30 years, I have had a large bowl of Rice Krispies for my breakfast every morning. The only exception is when I'm on holiday, and even then, I will search out the Kellogg's Rice Krispies if I can find it. Christmas Day is no different. Everyone in the family is having a nice big cooked breakfast, and there am I with my bowl of Rice Krispies. For lunchtime, every day without fail, unless Liz forgets to make my sandwiches, that is, I have ham rolls with sandwich bread in them. So I think that kind of gives you an idea of an inkling of the kind of foodie that I'm not. Food for me is just a means to an end. When I get hungry, I eat to refill the tank so that I've got energy to do something else. I'm not sure if it's just me or because I've spent a long time around cars, having fixed them for the last 30 years, but I use food just like a car uses fuel. When a car is empty, it just stops until it's refueled again so it can start and carry on. And I am very much the same. I need food to continue what I'm doing, and if not, I get tired and I stop. I'm not saying that I don't enjoy a good meal, but even then, if I go out for a meal, I hate all the waiting around. From one course to the next, spending three hours sitting there eating. And as all I want to do is sit, order, eat, and go because I need to do something else. Unfortunately, I do see going out for a meal as a big waste of time. But I also know I'm fairly alone in that as well, having many an argument, I mean discussion with the wife about it. There are people in church and people in life in general that are real foodies. My sister-in-law, Mel, is one of them who will try anything and everything, spending hours in the kitchen just making a meal out of what I would call all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. <laughs> Watching everything from the Master Chef to the Great British Bake Off for inspiration for their next culinary experience. Mel famously cooked a very fancy Mel kind of a meal once. 
And when it came to eat, she said to me, well, if you don't like anything, you can always fill up on bread. <laughs> Ever since then, Mel has been more gracious towards my culinary needs. Food is a big part of life for so many. For me, like I've said, it's just a means to an end. And yes, granted, we do all need to eat to survive. But people will often say, I really want this. I want fish and chips. I want Chinese or even an Indian, not that you'll ever hear me say the last one. But food is often seen as what we want. I want this, I want that. But Jesus not just offers us a different type of bread, but he offers what we need, not what we want. So here we go. Let's have a look at these passages where Jesus said he is the bread of life. And I will try and unpack a little bit of that for you this morning. As we do look at these passages, just before we do, I'm going to just go back a little bit in John. John 5 verse 1 says this. I'm sorry the words are small, but I did try and put them all on one slide. Jesus heals a lame man. John 5 verse 16 Jesus claims to be the Son of God. John 5.31, witnesses to Jesus, as told by John a little while ago. John 6.1, Jesus feeds the 5,000, as told by Ray two weeks ago. John 6.16, Jesus walks on water. And then on to John 6.22, Jesus, the bread of life. My bit. So what we need. This passage is in the middle of a very important, and by the looks of it, very busy time in Jesus' ministry. Jesus was healing people, demonstrating his authority over nature, performing miracles. Even in the previous verses, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people and he'd walked on water. Two amazing miracles. In one way, the crowd were beginning to sharpen up, and in another, they had no idea. They realized in verse 22 that the disciples had taken a boat to Capernaum, but Jesus had not gone with them. So the crowd went across the sea to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And in verse 25 it says, they found him across the lake and said, how did you get here? Sorry, I can't. Do you mind if we turn off some of these lights? I'm struggling to see my iPad properly. Thanks, Fox. <laughs> when they arrived and they found him, they asked teacher, how did you get here? I think this was quite a telling question, as they had realized that Jesus hadn't gone in the boat with the disciples. So how did he get there? But as we know from the previous verses, Jesus had walked on water. They were asking how he got there. Expecting Jesus to explain his latest miracle, expecting him to maybe even confess to walking on the water across the sea. But the interesting thing is that Jesus to chose to completely ignore their question. It's like Jesus didn't want to boast about walking on water as miracles aren't the main factor here. Jesus threw them a curveball and directs it straight back at them, knowing the true intent of their hearts, saying in chapter 6, 26, 
I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. So the crowd had followed Jesus, but not because they wanted to be with him, but not because they wanted to be with Jesus, but like Jesus says, it's because they had fed them, fed, he had fed them previously, and they wanted to be fed. It's like these guys were kind of after an easy life. When you think about it, life's great when Jesus is about. He feeds them, he heals them, he comforts them, he teaches them. And I felt, I think they felt a bit like they'd won the lottery, having Jesus as a friend. A little bit like the old joke that the day after Bob won 181 million on the lottery, he found the love of his life. <laughs> Maybe they were just after a quick fix. They were after the material gifts that Jesus offers, but they were not really seeking Jesus and the eternal life that the Son of Man can give them. When we are hungry, we seek food for our bellies. But Jesus didn't come to fill our stomachs. He came to feed us spiritually. I've got a question for you. Do you seek spiritual food on a daily basis from our Heavenly Father? The world out there is in need, just like Ben Paris shared with us four or five weeks ago. And they are looking for happiness in things like money, power, titles, cars, etc. But all of these things will perish and fade. I've never taken a picture of my food in my life. But Instagram and Facebook are full of, peach, of people's pictures of their meals. The problem is that half an hour later, the meal's gone. Three hours after that, they're hungry again. The fulfillment is only brief. But the bread from heaven, the bread of life that Jesus offers, not only lasts a lifetime, but it lasts an eternity. Jesus says in the second half of verse 27, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that I, the Son of Man, can give you. For God the Father has sent me for this very purpose. This is what we need. We need to seek him. I quite often say the crux of the Bible, the crux of the Gospels is right there. If you've heard me preach before, I've probably said that a few times. But that's because the crux of the Bible is, is right there, just written in a slightly different way. Jesus says that we should seek the Son of Man who can give you eternal life. This is just John 3.16 written slightly differently. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, once you've found Jesus for yourself, you have got to believe in him, but the basis is there. Because in verse 29, the crowd, says, the crowd says, what does God want us to do? And Jesus responds, believe in the one who has sent, who he ha believe in the one who he has sent. 
John 3.16 again. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I'm going to throw this out there. You may have been a Christian for seven days or 77 years, but do you seek Jesus? Do you still spend your time seeking Jesus? Seeking the eternal life that he offers, that he gives. Maybe you still don't know Jesus as your saviour yet. Well, keep seeking and you will find him. Because in Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, it says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So I'm going to ask you all the question again. Do you seek spiritual food on a daily basis from our Heavenly Father? And if not, why not? Have you got complacent thinking, well, I've already given my life to Christ. I've already been baptised. I don't really need to seek him anymore. Or are you constantly seeking God? Seeking the truth, seeking understanding in his word, seeking more of God in your life, seeking to be more Christ-like, and seeking the inheritance of the eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we as children can receive. Do you still seek Jesus? I've got another question for you. Do you seek Jesus but just not get it? Well, don't be afraid to say that because some people spend years seeking the truth and then come across Christianity and it kind of all just falls into place. Don't be ashamed if you are seeking Jesus and struggling with it. It will come and I urge you to keep reading his word, keep praying, seeking God and he will reveal himself to you. Certainly don't be ashamed if you haven't quite got your head around it yet. The guys in the crowd certainly didn't get it. They weren't really with Jesus for the right reason. They were just after the good life, the food, the miracles. And at times, I have to be honest, I still don't get it. I don't fully understand everything. I don't think I ever will. I certainly don't understand how an almighty God can love someone like me. And not only love a sinner like me, but let me be an heir to his throne. But even though I don't fully understand everything, it won't stop me seeking the mind of our Creator. So don't let it stop you either. Verse 30. Back to the crowd. The crowd kind of wanted proof. They wanted out-and-out out proof of who Jesus was. The crowd wanted Jesus to kind of prove who he was to them. They wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for them so they could see for themselves what he was capable of and, and in turn then believe in him. But that takes away the faith side of believing that Jesus is the Son of God. 
I just find it kind of funny that they're following Jesus about, hearing what he's done, but when confronted, they, they still didn't believe who he was and needed him to kind of prove himself. And sadly, at times, I think we can all be a bit like that. Again, having been a Christian for a number of years now, there's times, I have to say, that I've called out to God and I've asked for a sign for this or for that reason. Normally, it's because I've been going through a bit of a spiritual dry patch and I just want the sign of reassurance that actually what I believe is right and, and come on, God, I just need you to show yourself to me once again. I need you to prove to me once again. But I can also believe when I say that, probably without doubt, that I'm not the only one who's done that. I'm not the only one who's, who here has done that. But that makes us no different to the crowd. We are asking for a miracle to prove who he is. We're asking for a sign for the same reason, which means we're relying less and less on our faith and the spirit to guide us, and more and more on the physical and tangible side of Christianity. Let's go back a slide, to verse, back a verse to 29. We just need to believe in the one who God has sent. I think that's called faith. Verses 30 and 31. Well, he touched on this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Nick and passages from my talk. Stick to your own passages, but I did let him get away with it. The crowd go on to say in verse 30, well, what are you going to do for us? Well, Moses gave our ancestors bread to eat in the wilderness, like, what are you going to do for us? You can almost hear them saying it. But as always, Jesus' response is great. I think I should be on verse 32. I assure you, Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Well, to me, it looks like we're back at John 3.16 again. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How often have we heard people say, I've tried this, I've tried that, and nothing makes me happy? Some people jump from one fad to another, looking for happiness. People would try horoscopes, tarot cards, Ouija boards, crystals, all sorts of stuff, trying to fill a gap that's only intended for Jesus. How often do we see people who are not happy with themselves spend fortunes trying to make themselves look different because they are not happy with how they look? They are seeking happiness from how they look or how they think they should look. Again, I'm a bit down on Facebook at the moment, but Facebook can be a really good example for this. People try to find happiness in the wrong things. They'll put a post off or, or a picture up and they'll wait for more and more likes from sometimes people they don't even know, just followers, thinking the more likes that I get, the happier I'm gonna be. Maybe I'm just old and grumpy. And yes, I know on both of those things. But maybe, just maybe, we need to share Jesus more on Facebook 
and turn the focus over to him and take the focus away from ourselves. I'm going to use an example that I heard many, many years ago. And I'm sure many of you here have heard it too. But if so, that's okay. You can switch off if you haven't already. You can take a two-minute nap. We are like jigsaws. And as we grow, we slowly fill pieces of our jigsaw with family, with friends, with memories, hobbies, work, belongings, etc. But for non-Christians, there always seems to be a bit of a gap in the jigsaw. And they will try and fill it with all sorts of stuff, like I said earlier, but they'll never quite fit. And that's because the gap in the jigsaw, that gap can only be filled by God. And until you finish the jigsaw properly, the way it was intended, with the God-shaped hole in the middle, you'll never quite be fulfilled at peace or truly content. And this is the bread of heaven that Jesus is talking about. Not a physical food, but a food for the soul, a spiritual food that keeps on fulfilling you, a food that will last for eternity, for eternity. Let's move on to verse 40. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, that I should raise them on the last day. Last day. Looks like we're back at John 3.16 again. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do these verses as, as a Christian just not give you a real sense of hope and comfort? As we believe in God's Son, we in turn have eternal life and we will be raised from the dead. This is what we need as people. We need to accept the love of our Heavenly Father freely given. We need to believe in Jesus as our risen Saviour. We need the hope of eternal life from a Saviour who has already beaten death. We need the true bread of life on a daily basis to keep us spiritually fulfilled. So lastly, on to, if I can get it to work, what do we do? There we go. I'm not sure if that was me or Martin moving it on. <laughs> okay, but it worked. Thank you. So lastly, what do we do? Verses 52 to 59. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. For whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food. Sorry. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus didn't suddenly become cannibalistic. He certainly didn't expect the crowd to become either. This reference goes right back, not just to the beginning of John's Gospel in chapter 1, but to the very beginning of time. John 1 says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. He was with God, and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything. There is nothing exists that He didn't make. Life itself was in Him, and His life gives light to everyone. Moving on to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So these few verses in John 6 and John chapter 1, I believe are referenced in three things. One, that we go from the spiritual heavenly bread from heaven, that is Jesus, onto Jesus who leaves the heavenly realms as the Son of God to become flesh, flesh and blood like you and I. The second reference is to Jesus' flesh and blood being sacrificed on the cross for you and I. And the third, this is where the eating bit comes into it, is to the Lord's Supper, where we can symbolically eat the bread which represents his flesh and the body broken for us, and drink the wine which represents his blood shed for you and I in remembrance of him and all that he has done for us. So what do we do? How about regularly take part in communion? Remembering his sacrifice and love for you. For some of us, this passage talking about flesh and blood and, and eating it can be hard to grasp. But what's not hard is Jesus' message to us. That's pretty simple. It is to believe in him, be part of his family, following his word and his ways. We can become an heir to his throne. I'm going to finish with this. Having been a mechanic for many years now, I get so many calls saying, I've got this warning light on my dashboard. What can you do to help me? Well, quite often I have to get out my laptop and plug it into the car, and I use that as a guide. Neil, is Neil here this morning? Neil will understand exactly what I'm talking about. And you have to use it as a guide to help you find out what's actually wrong with the car. So today, I thought I'd put some Christian scenarios behind that. But instead of plugging into my laptop, why not try plugging into the Word of God for help? So this is my Christian engine checklist. Hopefully that will make a little bit of sense to you today. 
But has your engine light come on? Do you feel as a Christian that you are just not functioning properly? Then plug into God through prayer and ask him to help you fix what you are struggling with. Maybe it's your TPMS light, which stands for Tire Pressure Monitoring System. Maybe that's come on because you just feel a bit flat spiritually. Do you need to be filled by the Spirit this morning? Then come forward for prayer and ask for a spiritual reawakening. Let them speak Jesus over you today. But maybe it's your battery light. Maybe your battery light is on because you're just not being charged. You're not being inspired. You're not being charged by the Spirit of Christ. If so, read his word and recharge yourself on the word of God daily. Seek Jesus, like I said earlier, because we need to seek him and we need to keep ourselves fully charged. Daytime running light. Has your daytime running light gone dim or even gone out? So that during the day, there's not even any recognition that Jesus is in your life. Then come to the front for prayer and ask our amazing prayer team to pray with you to make your light shine again. Let them speak Jesus over you this morning. Maybe it's your traction control light. Has your traction control light come on and you just feel all over the place? One minute you are shouting Jesus from the rooftops and the next minute it feels like you've got more in common with the devil. Then pray that Jesus will help you keep on the straight path. Maybe it's your fuel light. Maybe your fuel lights come on and whatever you do, you just can't seem to refill your spiritual tank. Let us pray with you this morning for a spiritual refueling and invite the Spirit to come and fill you afresh this morning. And lastly, this is to me the important one, your service light. A car will run all day long day in, day out, for probably many years with the service light on. But has your service light on, come on because you haven't got a relationship with Jesus yet? Like I said earlier, we all have something missing in our lives. We don't have, if we don't have God at the center, so without him it's a bit like running with the service light on. We work, but we're just not quite right because we need to come to our Creator. We need to come to the Maker's love and attention to make us whole. And if that's you, again, please come to the front. Let somebody pray with you today. Let Jesus become your bread of life. We're gonna sing in a minute a new song. And before you all moan that we've got a new song, I couldn't not do it. So whenever I'm preparing my talks, I always put YouTube on in my headphones while I'm reading my Bible and putting my talk together. 
and I typed in a song that I'd heard once before called I Speak Jesus. And I typed it in on YouTube and just let it play. And what I didn't realize was, was an hour and a half later, I'd heard the song about 15 times because it just kept playing because it was an hour and a half of the same song with adverts in between. And every time an advert come up, I'd skip it and not even think what the song was. And I thought, well, actually, maybe God is telling me to use the song this morning. And I've used that reference in my talk as well this morning, that we speak Jesus. Because there's an old song that there is power in the name of Jesus. Let us speak Jesus over you today. It's up to you now. The choice is yours. For me, this is the song about power in the name of Jesus. The only reason I stand here is because I believe there is power in the name of Jesus. The same power that there was 2,000 years ago. And I just want to shout Jesus' name from the mountains and share his name with everyone who I can give the opportunity to. I want everybody to hear about the true bread of heaven, the true bread of life that's available through Jesus' name. And I pray that that's your prayer too, that as you leave here, you'll be speaking to Jesus, you'll be speaking the name of Jesus to everybody you know. Let's declare the name of Jesus this morning. And if anything that I've said, or more specifically, if God has spoken to you this morning, and you feel that something has just touched a bit of a nerve, then please do come at the front. Let us pray with you, and let us see if we can put out some of those engine management lights on your dashboard. As we sing, let's speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Amen. stand Thank you. 
finish with All I Am. Let's just commit all we are. 
back into God's arms again and recommit ourselves to him. Into your hands I commit again with all I am for you, Lord. You hold my world in the palm of your hands, and I am yours forever.
Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask God that as we leave here this morning, we can speak Jesus to everybody that we meet. Because in our hearts, we believe in you. We believe in you, Jesus. You are the reason that I live. The reason that I sing. So, Heavenly Father, as we think of those words, we just pray that you would be with us and you would give us that part of the jigsaw that we need to fulfill us spiritually, the part of the jigsaw that we need that is you, the part of the jigsaw that can make us speak Jesus over the people that we meet. Lord, we want to share you with everybody that we know because we want them to have the same passion that we have. We want them to know what we know. We want them to have the gift of eternal life. We do not want to leave anybody short. So as we leave here this morning, help us to remember, Lord, that we belong to you. Help us to remember that we believe in you. And help us to remember, Lord, that we live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.